The Gospel for today and for the third Sunday in a row is from Matthew chapter 25. Jesus said to the disciples, When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep at His right hand and the goats at the left. Then the King will say to those at His right hand, Come, you that are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave Me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, When was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. One of my mentors in ministry, John Cochran, when he had interns, told them, your job is to convince the people that Jesus is coming back and that when he comes back, he's coming right here to this church and this community. And that statement uh, was about uh, saying that God loved that place, which in his case was South Philadelphia. And also that what we say and do matters. It makes a difference that may not be obvious to us, but it will be to others and to God. And on the other hand, if we do not act on our beliefs, then they do not matter. In today's gospel, Jesus says there's going to be a division, an accounting for the focus of our lives. Even now, God's kingdom stands in contrast to this world. Through us, the church, its standards, shape, and promise are brought to bear on this world, however imperfectly, to prepare it for God's coming kingdom. I'm not sure that we take this seriously enough, but the end of one church year and the beginning of the next one always turns our attention to the end of all things. 
We always have, starting the second Sunday in November, readings about the end of the world and this division that will happen when Jesus returns in glory. So this is the third Sunday in a row of this emphasis that continues into next Sunday, which is the first Sunday of Advent. Our belief that Jesus will return and that we will be held accountable for our actions, these two things go together. The kingdom will not be separate from this world when it comes in the fullness with Christ's return. Instead, it will be a transformation of this world into the world as God intended it from the beginning. Jesus gets us thinking about the end in today's gospel. He tells a parable about separating the sheep from the goats to make his point. It's the process of dividing the nations, grouping people according to their responses to Jesus' concern for the needy and the weak that Jesus uses to describe our eternal accountability. From watching people's behavior, I would say that most of us do not believe today's gospel that there is an eternal accounting for our lives. We're more likely to judge other people than to hold ourselves accountable for our own behavior. And we are not too keen on the idea that the world will one day end. In fact, we mostly don't want to think about it. There's a proposal among liturgical scholars to restore Advent to its origins as a seven-week season that is not overshadowed by Christmas. I mean, if you look at the Sunday readings for Advent, only one of them is preparation for Christmas, and that's the last Sunday of Advent. The other three Sundays of Advent are more about our accountability. The first Sunday is always about Jesus' return at the end of the world. The two middle Sundays, the second and third Sunday of Advent, are always about John the Baptist, one about his arrival, and the second one about his preaching, which is again about our accountability. You brood of vipers, he says. And we kind of recoil from his preaching. But since Christmas has become a cultural shopping season, and in the church, Advent functionally ends two weeks before Christmas with the Christmas pageant, and that's not only here, that's everywhere. Um, this, this attempt to make Advent a seven-week season is a rescue attempt. We would start Advent three weeks earlier on the Sunday after All Saints. We wouldn't have to change any of the readings because those th- three Sundays, this Sunday and the two previous ones, the readings are about the first theme of Advent, Jesus' return at the end of time. So, I've been promoting this effort, and I have a PowerPoint presentation uh, about it that I've given twice, once at Living Faith and once for the Eve Circle. What I learned the first time I gave the presentation was that no one was even aware of this first theme of Advent, of Jesus' return at the end of time. That information, by the way, strengthened my resolve for a longer Advent to get it out of the shadow of Christmas. And furthermore, there were questions as to why is this even an important theme for us to talk about, the end of the world. 
But this theme of the return of the Lord Jesus at the end of time is embedded in the New Testament and Christian tradition. All four of the Gospels have this theme. Every year in Advent, it's a theme. Well, and at the end of the Pentecost season as well. And the prayer of thanksgiving that I've been using for the last two weeks before communion begins, we give you thanks, Father, through Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, whom you sent in this end of the ages. And our benediction that we've been using throughout the summer refers to the end of the ages. That Eucharistic prayer, by the way, is the oldest one that we have that contains the words of institution. It's from somewhere around the year 220. For us who have comfortable lives, the return of Jesus seems unimportant, and that's putting it mildly. I think mostly it's something we just don't even want to think about. The traditional Advent prayer is, come Lord Jesus, come quickly. But our response is more likely to be, come Lord Jesus, but not yet. But for people in Ukraine and Sudan, Israel and Palestine, this promise of Jesus' return and the end of the world as it is now is a source of hope. They are acutely aware that the world as we know it does not fulfill God's intention for us and they're longing for something better. Notice that Jesus' process of division at the end is not about doing the right thing. It's not about following rules. It's instead caring, caring for the despised, the poor, the hungry, immigrants, prisoners, the unhoused, those who have no one to turn to. The blessed were not obeying rules of right and wrong, but they were filled with God's righteousness, God's grace, and they responded instinctively to the needs around them. They were doing what they did not to be righteous, not for their own sake, but for the sake of the Lord and those in need. They responded to the needs of the weak and powerless and were even unaware of their righteousness. The homeless Jesus sculpture from today's children's time and the reaction to it uh, capture the point that Jesus makes. There are at least 40 copies of this original sculpture. The original one was produced in 2012 and was installed at Regis College in Toronto. And since then, a lot of other colleges and uh, churches have asked for copies. There's one at Valparaiso University in Indiana where I go for conferences at least once a year. But what's happened with the ones that tend to be in front of churches is it's not unusual at all for people to call the police when they drive by this sculpture and say, oh, there's a homeless person sleeping on a park bench in front of such and such church. And they do this instead of getting out of their car and checking to see if the person is okay. And in most of these communities, the police have been coached about what to say when when someone calls them uh, about it. Jesus' words are haunting. As you have done it to one of the least of these, you have done it also to me. This Sunday celebration of Christ the King is about the promised coming 
of the kingdom of God from the future into the present. It brings both judgment and grace, fear and hope, because it awaits us. It has the power to shape the present, to change us, to transform us into the image that God has in mind for us. We see a glimpse of it in Jesus, and we have a whole season of longing for the coming kingdom of of God, Advent, beginning next Sunday. The kingdom of God will not be separate from this world when it comes in its fullness with Christ's return. Instead, it'll be a transformation of this world into the world as God intended it from the beginning. There will be a division, Jesus says, an accounting for the focus of our lives. And even now, God's kingdom, as much as it's embodied imperfectly in the church, stands in contrast to our world. And through us, the church, its standards shape and promise are brought to bear on our world to prepare it for God's coming kingdom. Jesus is coming back. And when he does, he's going to come right here to Upper Dublin and Ambler. And God is calling us through Christ to be God's ambassadors, to respond to the needs of the despised and the outcast, to be Jesus' presence now in Ambler and in the world. Amen.